Hi, this is Adam Johnson with uh, Convincing Proof. In this podcast, I wanted to talk to you more about Francis Schaeffer. As I shared uh, in the last podcast, Schaeffer's books uh, were instrumental in helping me through uh, a, a crisis of faith that I went through in my late 20s. In fact, I would say it's through his, his books, 20-plus um, books he wrote, that he rescued me from that crisis of faith uh, on, on so many levels, intellectually, uh, spiritually, psychologically, uh, so on and so forth. And so I wanted to tell you more about Schaefer and um, the opportunities that I've had to to study his work and, and uh, meet the, the Schaefer family and, and speak at Labrie. So if you've never heard of Francis and uh, Edith Schaefer before, I would encourage you to read their biography. Uh, she, um, Francis's wife Edith, wrote their autobiography, I guess, and the title is just Labri. It's a French word that means shelter, so L-A-B-R-I is uh, how you can find it, Labri, and that's the name of their ministry that they started in, in Switzerland, which I'll, I'll get to here soon. But a little bit of a background so Schaefer, uh, Francis Schaefer, was a Presbyterian pastor uh, in the 40s in St. Louis. He started out on the East Coast, I believe, and he was part of that uh, early movement of Westminster, you know, when the Presbyterian denomination had its big fight over uh, the Bible, you know, modernism versus, well, at the time it was called fundamentalism but as what we, what we would just call conservative evangelicalism today versus liberalism, so to speak, had their big fight over Princeton. A lot of the conservative folks left Princeton and started Westminster, and so that's where Schaefer went. Uh, he was one of the early students at Westminster and uh, studied apologetics under Cornelius Van Til, which I'll get to here in a bit. And then after seminary, he was a, a pastor, a local church pastor in St. Louis for, I believe, eight years uh, in the 30s and 40s. But after World War II, he moved to Europe to be a missionary uh, to Europe and try to rebuild things after World War II. Interestingly enough, though, he had a crisis of faith of his own in the early 1950s while they were living in uh, Europe. And one of the things that instigated his crisis of faith was he saw, you know, the conservative folks that, that left um, Princeton and, and, and left the uh, more liberal Presbyterian denomination and started their own. The conservatives, uh, if you will, had, had such a, um, I don't know, I guess fighting mentality as he saw it from having to you know, fight against the moderates or the liberals, that they continued this fighting, but then amongst themselves, amongst the conservatives, over, as Schaefer saw it, um, a lot of secondary issues that probably weren't worth fighting over, or if they were worth fighting over, should have been uh, fought over in a more loving, respectful way. And he felt like he was caught up in just the, the meanness of theological dispute and the personal attacks that went along with it. And that's what 
um, snowballed into his crisis of faith. Is he just he's, he kept wondering, is this really true? I, I, Christianity um, is supposed to be about love and God loving us and us loving others and us loving God back. Uh, but all he saw was anger and fighting. So it caused him to wonder if all of this was, was even true. Well, there was a long crisis of faith, um, upwards to two years, but he came through that, um, as he describes this crisis of faith in his own words, kind of going all the way back to the beginning and just trying to remind himself or, or rethink or restudy through the reasons and evidence to believe that Christianity is true. And out of that crisis of faith, when he came out of it and, and became convinced through those reasons and evidence that in fact Christianity is true, um, out of that was birthed then their ministry in 1955. And Francis and Edith Schaefer started a ministry in Switzerland called Labrie. And it kind of just, like most ministries, just developed haphazardly. They didn't have a, a, most of their ministry was to children, like children evangelism. But their daughters were going off to school and, and, and college and would bring uh, their friends back home. And their friends would be asking all sorts of theological questions and apologetic questions. And Schaefer um, tried to help them with those. And just one thing led to another. And folks just started streaming to them for uh, help and to answer their questions and doubts about Christianity. And since Schaefer had gone through that himself, he was at a... Uh, a perfect position to help others when they had questions, both Christians and, and non-Christians who were questioning, you know, whether Christianity was was really true or not. So it was a neat uh, ministry, and uh, I, I've never seen any other ministry that combined so well, you know, good solid answers, apologetic answers, with loving uh, relational community, because that's eventually what Labrie developed into was a community where people would come and stay and live together. I mean, it was the 50s and 60s, so we almost think of it as like a, uh, you know, a commune of a, in a sense, but not a creepy, weird one, but just people who um, would live together and experience life together. Some people would stay for a couple weeks, some people would stay for a few months, some for, for years. I met a gentleman there who had been living at the Labrie in Switzerland for, uh, what was it, 60 years. Yeah, 60 years he has been there. Uh, one of Schaefer's, um, ended up being one of Schaefer's son-in-laws. Married one of his daughters and then just stayed there and served and ministered to the folks that would come to Labrie. But what happened in the 50s, or I'm sorry, let me let me start with the 60s and work backwards. So Schaefer became really well known in America in the 1960s. Because as you know, in the 60s, there was the, the big hippie movement, right? And, and it kind of took America by surprise. It took a lot of people, especially the uh, evangelical church, by surprise. It's like, what? where's this movement coming from? What's, what is it all about? And people didn't understand it. And there was a lot of confusion and misinformation about the hippie movement. Um, but Schaefer, see, he had been um, working with people in Europe. Uh, like most things, the hippie movement hit uh, Europe 10 years before it hit America. So they weren't called hippies in Europe. They were called beatniks, right? So in the 1950s, the beatnik movement, which is similar to our hippie movement, 
uh, hit Europe. And so Schaefer was working with those ideas and the philosophical uh, influences that shaped the the beatnik and the hippie movement, countercultural movement, and so when it hit America, you know, Schaefer had already been dealing with it for ten years, and so he was able to swoop in and he came back to America a lot and spoke at churches and conferences throughout the '60s, helping people understand what was going on and what what young people were struggling with and why they were so um, confused and looking for meaning and purpose in life through all of these movements, um, looking for meaning in life through drugs, psychedelics. There's um, a lot of s philosophical ideas behind the hippie movement and why people, uh, young, so many people rejected the, the, the culture and tried to create a, a countercultural movement because they were so fed up with the, uh, the pla as they saw it, the plastic lives and the meaningless lives that uh, their parents were living. So anyway, that's how Schaefer became really well known and started writing books to help people understand that, hey, these these philosophical ideas uh, go way back. That This isn't something new. This has been developing for quite a while. And he was able to show people, you know, the history of these ideas and, and therefore the history of, of philosophy in a sense. And he worked back over the last three, four, five hundred years and kind of showed um, where these philosophical ideas came from, talked about, he didn't use these terms, but terms that are used nowadays to discuss these things, talked a lot about the pre-modern way of thinking, modern way of thinking, modernism, and then post-modernism. And so Schaefer really helped a lot of folks understand what was going on and the history of these, of these movements. and became really well known as a, maybe not a philosopher in his own right, definitely somebody who could see the big picture uh, of what was going on in philosophy and how it was shaping the culture. Now, he helped me mostly with um, how faith and reason should work together. And that's something I'll talk about in another podcast. But the big thing that Schaefer helped me was to get a better understanding of how faith and reason are supposed to work together. Because a lot of people think faith and reason are opposites or, or, or enemies. And I grew up in a, uh, a strong Calvinistic, a strong presuppositional community, which, oh, I guess I could say, looked down upon apologetics or looked down upon reason and evidence in a sense. And so, for example, when I was going through my crisis of faith, I felt that um, looking at reasons and evidence that Christianity is true would somehow be unspiritual or somehow would be a no-no, if you will. And Schaefer really helped me understand that that's just not the case. He also grew up uh, going to Westminster, studying under Cornelius Van Til in a very presuppositional community, but um, rejected a lot of those ideas. And even though he still called himself a presuppositionalist in his thinking, and approach. He was actually more of a, a classical or traditional apologist and put a lot more emphasis on reason and evidence. He still understood the importance of presuppositions, but definitely moved away from the presuppositionalism of Van Til and others. And you can see that in the sense that the hardcore presuppositionalist uh, went after him very aggressively and attacked him. And it was, it was clear that Van Til and um, Schaefer disagreed on some of these issues. So my exposure um, 
then started with Schaefer helping me in my late 20s through my crisis of faith. But then as God called me into ministry to, as I saw it, help people, help people, help other people the way that Schaefer helped me, thankfully, uh, by God's providence, I ended up at a seminary, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, that had a collection of Schaefer's private correspondence. And what had happened is the Schaefer family, uh, his, he had passed away in the early 80s, but his wife Edith and then his daughter Deborah and her husband Udo Middleman came to my seminary and said, look, we've got a hundred file boxes uh, full of Schaefer's uh, personal correspondence, his letters that he wrote to and from people, the um, his a lot of annotated articles that he would uh, rip out of magazines or, and, and make notes in, a lot of his uh, personal books, his personal Bible that he had notes in, just all of this stuff, audio videotapes from Labrie that go back to the 1950s, his seminary notes when he studied uh, apologetics under Van Til at Westminster, his, his handwritten seminary notes, which I've held in my hand. So he, they had all these things, but the family didn't have the, the resources or the time to be able to document and archive them as they should be. So they entered into a custodial relationship with my seminary, Southeastern, and all of these things now, it's called the Schaefer Collection, you can read more about it online, is at Southeastern's library, the seminary's library. It's not available to the public, but if you get permission from the family, you can research in the Schaefer Collection and, and, and read all of these things. When I was working on my PhD, I got permission uh, to go into the Schaefer collection, spent hundreds and hundreds of hours researching all of these documents. And I feel like through that, I, I got a behind the scenes look, behind the curtain look, so to speak, about Schaefer and the way he thought and um, the way he um, did ministry. So I was very pleased and, and excited to be a part of that research and to see a lot of things that you know people have never seen before and read. I, uh, I found letters in the collection between Schaefer and Ronald Reagan, Schaefer and Billy Graham. Uh, they had some disagreements that they wrote back and forth on. Schaefer and George Bush uh, Sr., Schaefer and John Stott, personal letters going back and forth. I got a chance to find and read. And, and then just hundreds and hundreds of letters of where Schaefer would be helping people with apologetics and their doubts about Christianity and sharing the gospel and encouraging people to trust in Christ. So neat stuff. Uh, again, holding Schaefer's seminary notes when he took apologetics from Van Til was one of the highlights. And it was interesting. You see, you know, in the in the main part of the page where Schaefer is writing out what Van Til is teaching, and then off in the margins, Schaefer would right where he agrees and disagrees with Van Til. And even in his seminary days, he was clearly rejecting Van Til's presuppositional approach to apologetics. It's very clear from that. So uh, whenever then I would want to publish anything or when I would write something to try to get published from the Schaefer collection, I would have to run each quote by uh, the family because there's a lot of personal private information in there, as you can imagine. But the family would always approve what I was quoting because um, I was wanting to write about his epistemology, his apologetic approach, um, those sort of things.
so the one article from the research that got published was an article comparing Schaefer's epistemology to Michael Polanyi's epistemology. And epistemology is the fancy philosophical word for how we know things. How, how do human beings um, develop knowledge about anything? God, math, science, um, love. How do we how do we know things? That's that's what epistemology is, the study of how we know things. So I can I wrote that paper because Schaefer was a huge fan of the philosopher Michael Polanyi. And that paper ended up getting published by Westminster's um, uh, academic journal. So Westminster's Seminary, their academic journal, published that article of mine. That opened up to the, the door then when that article was published for me to present uh, that paper as well as some other lectures I had developed based on Schaefer's work at the Labrie in Switzerland. So my wife and I got to travel to Switzerland, spend a week there at that Labrie, and I lectured for a few times. And then a couple years later, I gave similar lectures at the Labrie uh, right outside of London. And there's a couple of Labries here in the United States. I think there's six, seven, maybe eight total around the world now. But those are the two you know, original main ones, Switzerland and then right outside of London. So very pleased to you know, be there and see it in person. It was kind of a, um, a Disney World experience to me or like you know, a Mecca experience, having listened to so many of Schaefer's lectures from that exact uh, podium uh, even in Switzerland to be there myself and give a lecture from that same podium in that same room just, just gave me chills, gives me chills now thinking about it. But I wanted to give you just some more background on um, the Schaefers and what they did and how they've helped so many folks because, unfortunately, a lot of young people aren't aware of, of the Schaefers. I usually find that people, you know, in their 40s and older know who Schaefer was, very popular in the 60s and 70s, but people under the age of uh, 40, 45 usually aren't familiar with the Schaefers, and so I'm trying to to, to help correct that and make more people aware of Schaefer. So take a look online, a lot of his uh, lectures that he gave, you can find for free online. And of course his books are great resources.